Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Word of God for our special consideration this morning is one of the last verses of our first reading, Job 1, verse 21. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be blessed. Dear friends in Christ, each time that Job got the news about the misfortunes that had befallen him, he most definitely did not cheer, celebrate, or do a victory dance. Everything he was told was bad news. And the loss of his children, all at once, would have been worst of all. When the disciples heard Jesus tell them that if anyone wanted to follow him, he should first deny himself and take up his cross, well, none of them shouted for joy and said, Woohoo, I get to carry a cross. Jesus was talking about serious stuff, and even though the twelve were pretty much clueless as to what he was really talking about, they knew enough. Whatever this cross-bearing thing was, it would not be easy or pleasant. Crosses are never fun. And we should not get the idea that when the Apostle Paul was being abused by a mob, mistreated by the authorities, stoned, opposed by former friends, imprisoned, and, and more, that, that he would have ever said those things were enjoyable. All the pain he endured, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, all of it was very real. But in our reading today from Romans 5... We heard Paul saying that we also rejoice confidently in our sufferings. How can that be? How does that work? It might be even harder to comprehend when we know that the basic meaning of the Greek word translated there as rejoice confidently is boast. And some, translation, some versions translate it that way. We also boast in our sufferings. But if we are tempted to say, hey, <laughs> that's taking things too far, or we must be reading something wrong, well then, there's also what the writer to the Hebrews says about Jesus himself. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who is the author of our faith and the one who brings it to its goal, in view of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of God's throne. In view of the joy. So, clearly, there is something more to crosses in Scripture than suffering, pain, and death. We know that Christ's cross led to our salvation, and we will certainly rejoice in that. But what about, what about our own crosses? 
the ones Jesus told his followers to take up, and, and the ones that, that Job and Paul and other believers have had to carry in, in the worst of circumstances. Perhaps it would be best to first be clear about what exactly we're talking about. Professor Daniel Deutschlander, in a paper titled, Cheer Up, It's the Cross, defines it this way. The cross is everything that I suffer and that the church suffers as a result of its connection and faithfulness to Christ and his word. At every turn, that suffering has at its heart and core the denial of self. Yes, the struggle against self. And he explains further, The cross is not just suffering. It is not simply in and of itself the aches and pains of life that all endure from time to time just by being human. It is not just by itself sickness, financial reverses, disappointment from family and friends. In and of itself, it is not even death or the fear of death. It is not in and of itself the reverses that come from storm and fire, plague or flood. All go through these things, whether they are Christians or not. All of these things may become crosses, however. They become a cross, each in their turn. When they tempt me to doubt the love of God, they become a cross. When they make it difficult for me to trust the promises of his word, that he will never leave me or forsake me. So, when we are talking about a Christian's crosses, we are not talking about just any suffering that any person might experience. But we want to be careful not to jump ahead too quickly or over-spiritualize them either. Just as you would not tell a cancer patient undergoing three months of chemotherapy, hey, at the end of this, you should be cancer-free, so just sit back and enjoy the treatment. This will be fun. Well, just as we would never say that, we should never tell another Christian who is suffering or tell ourselves that any particular cross is not painful, not heavy, or not a big deal. Christ was able to endure his cross in view of the joy set before him, but it was still something he had to endure. He most certainly did not enjoy it. He went through hell on Golgotha to save us from our sins. And there's the reason we never see pictures of him smiling as he is crucified. And while we give thanks that we will never have to suffer what he did since he suffered it for us, we should appreciate that the crosses we do endure are just as real as his was, and the pain that we feel when we suffer in whatever way is just as genuine. I stress this because many people get the idea that Christians, or at least good Christians, are never supposed to have troubles, are never supposed to feel bad or, or shed tears, that a believer's life should be full of glory not grief. Maybe, maybe they are taught that. Some churches do. 
Maybe Satan seeds that thought in their heads. Maybe they even come up with it entirely on their own, but it is certainly not biblical or true. And the problem that results in is not just that they are wrong, but that when pain and suffering come into their lives, and they always will, that they then conclude that something must be wrong with their faith, or even worse, something must be wrong with their God. They begin to lose trust in Him because they think He is not keeping a promise that he never made. And this idea that having Christ as your Lord gives you a problem-free life also affects how you are with other people. It, it can lead to a kind of plastic Christianity in which smiles are forced and praises are neither genuine nor heartfelt because it's all about giving the appearance of peace and perfection regardless of reality. But your problems, and your pains, whatever they might be, are real. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed by them, and, and don't think that you're somehow less of a believer because you have them. Don't wallow in depression or despair, of course, but don't deny reality either. Pain hurts. Troubles frustrate. Losses tear. Tears flow. Remember that even Jesus wept, and he actually was perfect. Job never pretended that what had happened to him was anything but the most grievous of losses. We accept our crosses as what they truly are. But we also rejoice. It's not that we rejoice Instead of enduring, feeling, struggling, stressing, we also rejoice, boast, glory. What Paul said that we do with our suffering, what we see Job doing, though you and I probably doubt that we could do the same he did in his situation, Job accepted the reality of the crosses that lay upon him. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And then he recognized that even what he could not understand and wished so much were not true, it was something that God would use to bless him and his people. And so he said, May the name of the Lord be blessed. In Romans chapter 8, in one of the most comforting and also practical promises that we find in Scripture, Paul explains how also rejoicing confidently in our sufferings is possible for the believer. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, 
for those who are called according to his purpose. Because those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. All things work together for the good. Worked that way by God in love for those he calls his own. And it all ends in glory. And that's why we can and do rejoice in our sufferings and embrace the dear crosses that he gives us to bear. We know that whatever they are, however heavy or painful they might be, they will result in goodness and glory for us and for his people in the end. We can go farther than saying, God uses even our troubles to bless us. We can say, God especially uses our troubles to bless us. And for this reason, we call our crosses dear and rejoice that we bear them. This is true most of all because our crosses show us our weakness, our helplessness, and force us to rely entirely on the Lord. This is what Satan failed to understand and God relied on in the case of Job. When every earthly support and advantage was taken away from him, Job's faith reached out and held on to the Lord and his promises all the stronger. His desperation led him not to despair, to fully understand his dependence on God's grace and mercy and, and to fully trust that God was willing and able to give him all he needed, no matter how bad his situation might seem. We see something similar in the story of Jacob when he was wrestling through the night with a man he, he later understood was the Lord himself. When God touched his thigh and dislocated his hip, Jacob was suddenly no longer able to support himself, but had to cling to his opponent that much harder. It was only then that Jacob prayed as he should have been praying all his life. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Of course, this is how God deals with us even before we come to trust in him. What the theologians call his alien or foreign work because it is so strange in contrast to the gospel. Well, it is what the Lord does to bring us to rely on him and him alone for our salvation. This is most definitely the work of the law the Ten Commandments, and even our consciences, this, this work that, that convicts us of our sins and shows us our need for a Savior. But it is also God's work through circumstances as he guides those to lead us to despair of saving ourselves, to lead us to seeing our helplessness and our need for help alone in Jesus.
We see God working this way time after time in the Old Testament. As, as his people turned away from him to idolatry or, or indifference. And he then sent turmoil and terror and famines and invasions to, to, to wake them up to their lostness and their need. It didn't always work and never worked for everyone because sinners are stubborn in their unbelief. But when and where it did work, their despair led to his deliverance. They put their trust again in the Lord and he saved them. The same is true with the individuals that, that God seeks to turn from unbelief to redemption and with what we might call the, the barely believers that he wants to turn from weak faith to robust reliance. He uses troubles of all sorts to lead them to despair of saving themselves so that they will then know and trust his grace in Jesus Christ, have their sins forgiven, and be part of his family forever. But God continues to use our crosses to bless us even when we already trust in him. This is why Paul, in our reading from Romans 5 today, said that we could rejoice so confidently in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces patient endurance, and patient endurance produces tested character, and tested character produces hope. Whatever cross you have been given to bear, you can be certain that God is using it to make you better, a stronger Christian, a more patient parent, a more understanding spouse a more reliable employee, a more supportive friend, whatever, and in every way, a disciple more like Christ. Because after all, he suffered too. Something this season of Lent is designed to remind us of. Now everything that I have just described and encouraged is what we call the theology of the cross. It's not so much a, a set of knowledge as it is a set of attitudes. It stands in opposition to theology of glory, which is all too common among Christians. We saw it even among Peter, in Peter in our gospel today. And the theology of glory teaches or, or expects that, that believers should enjoy good things and have lives free of bad things on this earth just because they follow Jesus. An understanding and embrace of that distinction between the theology of the cross and the theology of glory, that theology of the cross is right and theology of glory is wrong, well, that's an understanding of that is, is one of the things that, that I hope to leave behind here at Christ Lutheran Church. But even more, I pray that you bear your crosses and have a faith like Job. That when struggles and suffering come, and they will come, 
Because Jesus was quite clear that that goes along with going along with him. I pray that when they come, you also rejoice. And that you see each of those troubles and every one of those pains as things that God will use to make you more mature and more able to deal with life and, and stronger for the next thing to come along. I pray that when this congregation deals with the uncertainties of a vacancy or a budgetary shortfall, or a, a scandal, or, or opposition from others, or, and that, that when you as individual believers deal with disease, or family strife, or lost friendships, or broken relationships, or unemployment, or arthritis, or, or COVID-19 and its restrictions, or whatever, that while you appreciate the reality of those crosses as you suffer, that, well, you also rejoice. And through it all, looking at the end of it all, you say then, with Job, may the name of the Lord be blessed. Amen. Please rise. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.